Well, do keep your Bibles open there at Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word spoken, for your word written down, and for your word that we are able to reflect on as we have heard it today. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would do that extraordinary work that you promised to do in us, to grow us mature in Jesus, to transform our lives, that we might receive all that is yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, plans make such a difference, don't they? Uh, They give us a vision of where we're headed. They make sense of what's going on now, and they give purpose to everyone who has to work together with the plan. I don't know if you've heard of the three-city plan for Sydney. Uh, The government has pulled together lots of uh, different ideas of where Sydney is going, recognising where we're at now as a city and what we need into the future. And uh, this plan is their best strategy to deliver the goods. You know, the three cities are uh, Western Sydney Airport, uh, Parramatta and uh, the Sydney City, uh, eastern part of the city. You might be the sort of person who... Uh, only takes in what's right where you live or you may have noticed perhaps the upgrade of the northern road but the reason why is lost on you. You might think an airport at Badgeries Creek isn't what you'd do but the hope is when 2050 comes around and the plan is a reality we'll be able to look back and see how it all fitted together. And if it's a good plan how big a difference it makes to life in Sydney. Now, of course, I say all this, that's not the uh, be-all and end-all this morning. I say it because as we've read Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 14, it's an even bigger plan, a bolder plan, an awesome plan, and a plan that affects every single one of us. Now, what the government could do with Sydney, it's got nothing to what God has and will do in his plans for his son and the world and his church. And verses 3 to 14 are like, they're like uh, the overture at the beginning of a symphony, uh, touching briefly on what's to play out in the rest of this letter. Uh, they're, they're there to whet our appetite for the feast that's about to be served as we read on. And the Apostle Paul, uh, getting underway, he almost trips over himself in his passion to, spot, to shine the spotlight on God. Have you ever had that experience when someone's so excited about what they know and what they're telling you? In Paul's case, it's, it's shining the spotlight on God and his plans, on a where we wonderfully fit together with them. L- look at this, he's saying, and look over here, and look at this. And do you know what this letter to the Ephesians does for us? It shows us the glory of God. And it'll show us where we fit in God's plan. It gives us uh, our meaning and purpose for life. And it reveals the extent of the life that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it shows us how to live in light of that new life. Last week we were talking about our hearts, the heart in the Bible and our own hearts. Today we're invited to have our hearts shaped by God's great purposes. To have our hearts sing with Paul as his sang in joy and in thankfulness and in confidence. 
with that in mind, uh, look with me, won't you, at chapter 1, verse 3 in your Bibles in front of you, or it will be on the screen. Uh, Verse 3 really sums up the shape and significance of everything else Paul's saying uh, following it. So I want to spend a little bit more time on this verse uh, before we move on from here. And it reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. With everything he knows and is about to spell out for us in verses 3 to 14, Paul cries out in praise of God. Now, I don't know whether you've noticed, uh, but this week there's been lots of praise in the news. Uh, The first thing that really struck me was the announcement of the latest Australian of the year, Dylan Alcott. Uh, He's had story after story written about him uh, and, and, you know, projected about him this week, about his sporting ability and the work he's done as a disability advocate. And those, those stories have talked about who he is and what he's done with the difficulties and opportunities he's faced. And how about Ash Barty? That gets a a rise. I wrote this before last night, which is good news both because you shouldn't leave writing sermons to the last minute, uh, and good news for me that she won. Uh, With all the attention that's been given her in the Australian Open and then the win last night, what about all the praise she's received? We praise people, don't we? Sometimes we do it directly to them, but more often than not in life, And in the Bible, we praise people to other people. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here from verse 3. Praise for Christians isn't simply singing in church, though that's one way of doing it. Uh, It's telling each other and others, as well as God himself, of the greatness and the purposes and the works of God. Could you call it perhaps godly gossip? Now, this praise Paul's giving very much focuses on Christ, on God the Son, Jesus Christ, who we celebrated coming into the world at Christmas. Uh, But did you notice how much praise in this passage is connected with him? He's mentioned uh, twice and is central in verse 3, but scan your eyes through the rest of our reading when he's mentioned as Christ or by the pronoun referring to him or something else that's clearly referring to him. And I've put them on the screen. I don't expect you to read through this. I've put it into three slides so you can... and highlighted it. Can you see the highlights there? Uh, So you can see... just how many times and how everywhere he is in the plans and purposes of God. If anyone ever asks you why we give so much attention to Christ, uh, is any more explanation needed than this? We'll see that uh, more and more as we read on. But before we do, what does Paul mean when he says we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, Just to get our heads around this, let me just break it down into a couple of individual parts. Blessed is a word that we use, uh, but have you ever thought about exactly what it means? Uh, Being blessed is being shown loving kindness. Being blessed by God is being shown God's loving kindness. 
Then there's the heavenly realms, uh, the parts of creation beyond what we can see, including other spiritual rulers and authorities that are created by God that we'll hear about later in Ephesians. They're not equal with God, they're, they're under God, uh, but there is a reality that exists uh, whether we can see it or not. Put all that together and we're told here, if you trust in the Lord Jesus, you have been given every spiritual blessing that God could possibly give you and he's done it through Christ. Every blessing. Nothing has been left out, forgotten or held back. Every good thing God can do for you, he's done it. Given you them all. I don't think it's a coincidence Paul says this in this way. Cast your mind back to our first reading today from Genesis 3 when the first man and woman were tempted in the garden. And what happened then? Well, in the first place, God's authority was called into question. That is, whether they would die or not if they ate the fruit. But perhaps worse still, in the light of everything they'd been given, they doubted God was showing them every blessing. They believed the lie that God was holding back something good that he could have given them. And so we read these words in Genesis 5 verse 4 that get to the core of it, these words on the lips of the devil. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Have you ever doubted God's got your best interests at heart? Ever wondered whether he might be holding something back? Now look at how God has led us from back there to here, expressed in these words, in this promise in Ephesians 1 and the reality they describe, and they say, it is not so. He hasn't held anything back. I wonder if you've noticed too, it it may challenge the way we think about our life now and the future. Paul doesn't say we will have every spiritual blessing in Christ. He says, if our trust is in him, they are ours now. Uh, We might not grasp them fully. We might wonder about the hardships and suffering we experience uh, in the world we can see. But in the heavenly realms we can't see, they are ours already. Given we're still affected by the sin of Genesis 3, the challenge for us is to have our hearts and minds renewed by God for our plans and purposes to joyfully embrace his. There are things that we think we want or think we need and haven't got, but not from God's perspective. And don't we have to rely on God to be God? He's not the same as us. And thank God for that. He is above all and sees all and gets done all that he says that he'll do. Remember that map of the three cities uh, of Sydney. It's a plan, it's a hope that will be worked towards. Uh, They'd like to pull it off, but what God says He does. And what he's done already, 
<coughs> which we'll look at in more detail in a moment, is exactly what we need above everything else. And what a great example Paul is to us here, even as he's speaking these words, we'll hear later on that he's writing from prison. <laughs> we may think there are other things we need, but the apostle, as the messenger of God, chosen by God and speaking with the authority of God, speaks, we can be confident we have every good thing God has to give us. Now, verse 3 and following is rich with so much to think about and dwell on and trust. For our time today, I'll group it together in three parts, three categories of spiritual blessing that if you are a member of his church are yours now through what Jesus has done and through the relationships we have once we're united to him. And I should say before we hit uh, verse 4 that when we, when we speak about the church this way and we're going to be hearing about the church so much in Ephesians. We're not talking about an organisation or a denomination or a building. You are a member of his church if, and we'll hear more of this later, you believe in the Lord Jesus. So back to verses 4 to 6. And the first set of spiritual blessings is we are chosen as children of the Father. Reading from verse 4. For he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And so here is this spiritual blessing. God decided before he'd made us, even before he'd made the creation, who would be his and the wonderful privileges that would be given to us. Now, does that blow your mind? Uh, I know a number of people who've been adopted. I even know families where after a child was adopted, the parents were able to have children of their own. Uh, but did you know how those parents treated their adopted child? exactly the same as their own children, as their own flesh and blood, and they lavish their love and guidance and their protection on all of their children. And you and I, what God's saying here is before we had done anything to suggest we deserve it, and before we had lived and proven 100% that we have failed to deserve it, God the Father chose us to be part of him, be included in his great plans and purposes. <laughs> It'd be enough to be servants in the family of God, wouldn't it? But that's not enough for him in his power and mercy. His plan was to join us to his family, welcome us into the life of the one God, the Father, the Son and the Spirit, to make us who were unholy, holy, as he is holy. And to make we who were guilty, blameless, as he is blameless. Now as members of his family, we share in all the riches of the relationship that is in God himself and all that is his. Praise God for that. 
The second group of spiritual blessings comes in verse 7 to 10. Remember, I did say we're going to have to move reasonably quickly here, but there's a whole mine to, uh, to well, a whole, whole riches to mine. And let me encourage you to do that further. But the second, in verses 7 to 10, the second group is we are freed for unity with the Son. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now you might remember back to Israel and how they were freed from slavery in Egypt and God freed them from slavery so that they could be free to worship him. We, the Bible tells us, and here in Ephesians, we were in slavery to sin and under God's wrath, unable to redeem ourselves. In fact, the ancient world uh, knew a thing or two about redemption. Enemies uh, uh, would capture an important person or pirates a wealthy traveller and they wouldn't kill them. Uh, People were too valuable for that, these sorts of people. They'd send a message back, again, asking for a sum of great value to be paid and when it was paid they would return the captive. Uh, I might have told you this story before but this actually happened to a young Julius Caesar. Uh, He was captured by pirates and held for ransom and when he asked the pirates what they were asking for him and they told him, he shook his head and said, no that's not enough. He was always a man of confidence. But we, we're told, we have been redeemed by Jesus' sacrifice. He paid the highest price to free us from our captivity to sin so that now you and I can experience forgiveness, the knowledge that living without God and not treating God as God in our lives, that its consequences has been met at the most costly of prices the life of the Lord Jesus taken in death. And what this says is not only did God decide to save us, not only did he take the action needed to save us, he gave himself as the only satisfactory sacrifice to save us. That is our freedom. What is it for? It's so we would be united to the Son. Uh, Reading from verse 9, He, God, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We are freed for unity with the Son. And what we see here is that God's plans have Christ at the pinnacle. That's been revealed to us. We've been talking about plans and purposes a lot this morning, haven't we? And and we can't even stop every time that Paul mentions it or mentions it specifically. But at the end uh, end game, uh, in all he's done, is that Jesus would reign over everything and everyone. He unifies it all. But that's not just off in the future. Just as Israel were freed to worship God, so we've been freed, all we who trust in 
united with him now. Which means everything that is in Christ is now ours. He rules, he already rules, and he has ruled since his resurrection. But when the times reach their fulfilment, he'll be seen by all as Lord. And no person, no ruler, no authority, seen or unseen, will stand against him. And here we are, united with him. Praise God for that. The final group of spiritual blessings comes in verses four, uh, 11 to 14 where we see we are sealed with the guarantee of the Spirit. Uh, reading from verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, there are a few things going on here. Let me just clear away any possible confusion first. You might have noticed between verses 12 and 13, Paul changes from saying we, uh, which he's been saying up till now, to you to his readers. Uh, He does that because he's thinking about himself and the other Israelites who first believed the good news about Jesus, who uh, now he's addressing those who are hearing the letter. Uh, But remember, as he even draws that uh, sort of short-term distinction, that he's not drawing a distinction between them when it comes to every spiritual blessing. He's just reflecting the order in which they receive them. He and those with him received them first and then those who were hearing this letter uh, after them. And so for us today, as we read Ephesians, as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be sure that what was given to Paul and given to these readers has also been given to you. Here's why I can say that so confidently. Uh, because believing in Christ is the key. As Paul's readers did that and uh, all that he'd received, they received. All that was his became theirs. And when we believe, so too do we. Now, coming back to the final group of spiritual blessings, I had a little bit of an aside there, We are told we have received God's seal. It's the mark, the the way of identifying that we are his. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit, we know from elsewhere in the Bible, enables us to live out our identity in Christ, but here is shown doing another great work. He's the deposit already given that ensures everything else that's promised will come through. Now, as I look around today, I expect, uh, at least for those of you who are a bit older, you've put a deposit down on something in the past, uh, whether it was on a car or a house or a lay-by. I'm going to have to, if I use that word, I'll have to explain it to night church. Insert afterpay. Why are you expected to make such a deposit? Uh, Isn't it to give confidence to the person who's promised the rest of it 
that you are good for your word. Well, God, our Heavenly Father, he is good for his word. You know, I try to be good uh, to my promises, whether it's keeping a, a contract that I've agreed to to buy something or keeping my word to the boys, uh, but I don't always follow through. I'm not reliable like God is reliable and he is reliable because you only have to look at what he has done. Again, coming together as we have today, there are all sorts of different things that are going on in our lives. Heartaches, griefs, disappointments and suffering. And while there might be others experiencing what you think are harder than your own, it's part of our experience of life, isn't it, that they are all hard. And that suffering is suffering, whatever it is, when you're in the midst of it. And it can tempt us to ask the question, to question God's faithfulness, or to choose our own course in our choices at the expense of obeying God's good commands. But we have this guarantee. He will see us through to the end and through our sufferings so that we not only experience every spiritual blessing as we do now, but we will see them and his great inheritance for us in all its fullness. pardon me so what will you do with the word of God that you've heard today I've got two uh, I was going to call them suggestions they're very very strong suggestions let me challenge you in the first place I hope you'll praise God this whole passage is about praising God tell the people you live with about him Tell your brothers and sisters in church here about him. Tell your family about him. Tell others you have opportunity about him. Tell him how great and loving and gracious you have found him in the good news and the great plan of Jesus Christ. And let's do it by springboarding off what we've heard today. You can, of course, say praise God. But praise him for what? Now let's be specific. Let's praise him for all he is in all his glory. Let's praise him for what he's done to make us his church. Let's, let's take these words and others like them in, our, in the word of God and make them our own words of praise to him. We can remind each other of the greatness of the one who has given us every spiritual blessing And we can remind each other and others that he has held nothing back. The second place, in the second place, what should you do? Keep reading this letter. Now, of course, I would say that. This is week one of a whole series and, you know. But if this is the introduction, imagine what else we'll hear. 
Uh, Ephesians is a letter of two halves. I am not joking. Uh, The first half in chapters 1 to 3, the second in chapters 4 to 6. And if you've read through it already, you will have seen that the first half is about the great work of God so we could be his church how we move from death to life in Christ. It's about our new identity. The second half is how to live that out, how to reflect the identity that is our new identity by what we think and what we do, living as God's holy people. And as we read it, we'll have even more for which to praise God. And as we read it, We'll have our lives conform to his plans for us. Now then, praise God for all that he has done in Christ. Praise God for the life that we have in Christ. And praise God that he has not held not a thing that is good back from us. How about I lead us in a prayer of praise? Dear Father in heaven, we praise you. We praise you that you have given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. We praise you that you have chosen us to be members of your family, children of the Father. We praise you for redeeming us, for freeing us, so that we might be united with the one who unites all things. And we praise you for the guarantee of your spirit that we may have confidence and know just the full extent and depth and breadth of your love for us that you will see us through to the end. We praise you for your power. We praise you for your mercy. And we praise you for your Son, who is Lord over all, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.